Hi, everybody, and welcome back. This is the Talking About the Big Stuff podcast with Michael Cole and Matthew Cravat. And Matthew has a shit-eating grin on his face right now because he thought I was about to fuck up the intro, and I didn't. No, that's not why I have a shit-eating grin on my face. No? Okay. No, I was just saying, what should I say when you go, I'm Michael Cole, and... I was like, what should I say to fill in the blank afterwards? Well... I am Michael Cole, one of the co-hosts of this podcast, and I am Matthew Cravat, one of the other co-hosts. Yeah, and this is Wild Scallions. I said scallions. I like scallions a lot. That's wild, Onion. Um, So today I want to talk about comedy, and we're going to talk about the philosophies of of comedy. Our philosophy of comedy. Um, I know where my comedy comes from and where I think comedy goes and what makes things funny i don't know if what you think makes things funny yeah why don't you start you you have more experience in comedy (laughs) because i'm old and because even even if if i had been doing something with comedy you know if i if i had done it as long as you i would say we were like not I, i would feel more comfortable starting it off yeah so so yeah, so my comedy experience, besides obviously being a fan of comedy, is I started taking improv comedy lessons at 12 years old in New York City. My brother took me to an improv show, loved it. We stayed for the late show. We started, we started going back all the time. He took workshops. My uncle took workshops. Then I, at 12, started taking workshops. And I distinctly remember that I was 12 because when uh, the woman was taking my name and phone number, and uh, when she asked my phone number, somebody walking by goes, uh, isn't he a little young for you? And... She looked at me with a smile on her face, said, when's your bar mitzvah? And I was like, in, in October? She goes, call me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that's where I got my comedy start. Actually, we're still friends, she and I, so I got over it. Uh, she actually quoted me like in the book jacket of uh, her improv book. She wrote a book. Her name's Carol Snyder, and she wrote a book called um, A doctor and a plumber and a rowboat something like that and um, and and um a quote that i said about her uh, workshops is in the book jacket but my philosophy of comedy is actually not my philosophy of comedy it is actually um from a book called the humor code and it's from research done by dr peter mcgraw uh and he did a research study to clinically find out what makes things funny and i really buy into his research strongly i think it it works in almost every case um if you massage it a little and uh his philosophy is comedy comes down to and humor not just comedy because it goes down to making a funny face at your baby in the bassinet to shakespearean comedy like works at like all levels of of humor um and that is it boils down to two words benign violation and if i take them backwards violation in that something happens that you don't expect or that's not in the normal so it doesn't have to be a surprise because you can watch the same comedy special or movie 20 times and laugh every time and you're not surprised it can be surprised but it could be it's so profane that you don't normally use that language it could be absurd it could be Seinfeld just making observations that you know, but people don't usually talk about. Like it's not an observation you usually say. So it's just something that you don't expect in some way. Um, and benign in that if it goes too far to offend you or if it scares you, 
then that's not going to be good comedy. It'll make you angry or upset or afraid. If it's too mundane for your personal sense of humor, then you won't find it comedy. Like it could be too benign. Um, if it's too benign, it's not a good enough violation is what it boils down to. So it's got to hit that sweet spot, um, which can be different for different audiences. So it's something you have to figure out with an audience um, as you do comedy. Um, but I, examples they give is like, if when Logan was a baby, if you made a funny face at Logan, he knows what daddy's face looks like. Sticking your tongue out and puffing up your cheeks like a gookie is not what daddy's face looks like. So he laughs. If a stranger in a grocery store made the same face at him, he might get upset and cry because he doesn't know what that face is supposed to look like. So it's not benign when it comes from a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you just reminded me of something that's slightly off topic, but that's what this podcast is all about is the off topic. <laughs> uh, talking about the big stuff, but not the stuff that we talked about, the, the, the stuff that we claimed we were going to talk about. Um, no, but uh, when, when Logan was like three or four months old, I was, I was just trying to make him laugh. He had just a diaper on and, you know, I blew on his belly and th- there was this one second pause followed by the most horrifying scream just like ah, like you just like he looked like he, i had you know shot Blown him or something <laughs> and he and so when you just said the daddy making a face i just was thinking about daddy daddy blowing on his belly and just right. like absolutely ruining his day right clearly um, a violation but not a benign one right <laughs> um i like i i like what you said um I have always kind of gone with the George Carlin exp- explanation and, and um, he does explain it in a bit that he talks about, uh, about rape jokes, but the, the concept, it doesn't have to be about rape jokes. So like, but it, he, he talks mother about earth was, mother earth was wait, it was asking for it. What was mother yeah. earth wearing? Yeah. But he said, but he says the, um, he says, the the point of a joke or the, the way you do is is you take one thing and blow it way out of proportion um and that's the thing that you like that makes it and it's similar to what you're saying that's it's the violation yeah 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 and he said that and he was he's like again he was talking about rape jokes and so he says imagine porky pig imagine elmer fudd raping porky pig or vice versa and he says you know that's why they call him porky and and um but it, so i I have always kind of subscribed to that that same concept. I will say, um, when I when I mentioned philosophy of comedy, I I wasn't entirely thinking of the way you were thinking about it. Um, ah. wasn't thinking about necessarily about um, statement comedy. I was just thinking about. I you know I, I watched the Chris Rock special and we don't have to talk about that too much because I know you said uh, that you haven't watched it yet, but I watched the Chris Rock special um, uh, in I can't remember what a selective outrage. Um, it came out like four or five days ago. I watched it yesterday or the day before, and I've wa- I, I'm a big I'm big into comedy. Isn't just watching stand up. Um, I've I've only done stand up really twice, uh, once in high school for a talent show and once for an amateur night. And so I, I, am not an expert and I don't want to like claim to be, but I, I really am a, a big fan of stand up. I know more about stand up than your average non stand up. Um, and so I've watched a lot of specials, 
Uh, and the last couple years, we, you know, one big thing that's been, kind of been happening with, with comedy has been this, this us versus them mentality. There, you know, David Cross was on, was on something recently talking about mm-hmm. um, attacking trans people. And there's all the, and how he doesn't think that it, it, he doesn't understand the impulse. And, and there's, I, and I'm not saying I want to get into that. What I was saying, but like, one of the things that I have always found is like, I, I find myself being able to laugh at any concept if you construct the joke correctly. Um, you can you can joke about something I wildly disagree with. If you do it originally or in, an, in the right way, I will agree with you. And unfortunately, sometimes, especially as we get into this, you know, like the Ricky Gervais special. Did you see the last Ricky Gervais special? Um, probably not. Yeah, I watched it. There was some good stuff in there. The the bit about trans people, and, and I'm I'm picking that because it's a it's a hot button issue, and I don't like you can make trans jokes that I'll enjoy, and but he doesn't in that one. Chris Rock actually did a couple of good ones that I thought were were good. They weren't super original, but in in their in their full delivery, but they were better. They were there was more thought put into it than the average one. But Ricky Gervais and his special was just like it's a man with uh, it's a woman with a penis don't be insensitive and it's like uh, you like you're not being original and and to to an extent the the idea of like hack comedy bothers me especially when Ricky Gervais I consider to be a really funny guy arguably one of the best comedy writers of the last 20 years he should especially when it comes to like he can do movies tv shows um he does stand up pretty well, I think, for for a writer. Yeah. yeah, I don't find him a great for a writer. Yeah, I don't find him a great stand up. I think he's a great producer he's, of TV shows, creator of TV shows. Yeah, um, but, but his stand up's good for that being a secondary thing. Yeah, I mean, I think he would not be on a main stage in an auditorium like he is if he didn't have TV shows. Like he didn't Absolutely. he didn't earn it as a stand up. He has yeah. an audience because he's famous, not because he's a good stand up. Absolutely. But I think I still expect higher from him than like if, for example, like if you're in an office setting or a Christmas party with your uncle or your friend or somebody and they make it like it's there. I have a lower expectation from for what I will accept as a joke from that person. So like if that person was like, there's a lady with a penis, I'd be like, okay, you don't get it. But that's, you know, whereas this guy has brought some of the most interesting comedy, whether it's through TV shows or whatever for a while now. And for him to just kind of be repeating the same, like I attack, I identify as an attack helicopter kind of humor. Like that is when I said philosophy, that's what I thought of. And was specifically, and it ends. I trans is the trans stuff is the only thing I can think of an example of. I but I just think like we have these this wild divide on like I think you've said it to me. There's the are you clapping or are you laughing kind of comedy, and there's a lot yeah, of was, clapping uh, comedy. I think Al Franken I think said that yeah that if you're clapping it's because you politically agree with the joke that I made. If you're right. laughing it's because you thought it was funny. Right, right, and that's 
and la- if you're laughing, that's where you're going to get people from the other side. What you know, if you, like there's the impulse laugh, and and if you laughed, there's an extent to which you shouldn't chastise it afterwards. You, you can right. you could say I'm not a, I'm not proud that I laughed at that. Like the way that Will Smith laughed at Chris Rock until he saw his wife didn't laugh, and then he was mad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you can be upset with yourself for laughing. You can be like I really shouldn't laugh I mean, at that. I'm upset with myself whenever I laugh at a Will Ferrell movie. Like I find it base and broad and, and I laugh my ass off every time. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean more like a, I can't, I I, am having, I I will say like, as much as I know that the Dave Chappelle stuff's been really hot button, I think Dave Chappelle's done a pretty good job at not falling into the, the, cliche of of how he's delivered the jokes that so i've laughed at a lot of his stuff that people have been upset with chris rock um his special i thought there was there was there you know like the stuff that he joked about i could see people saying was kind of transphobic i think it's a lot lighter than ricky gervais or dave chappelle's but it was funny like i genuinely thought oh okay it's about generation gap it's like it's 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 explaining cultural gaps and like i think there was a and i laughed at it even though i wouldn't yeah. want to but agree I think part with it. of it is is where is the joke yeah. and i mean a punching up and punching down is used a lot but it's also like what is the topic of the joke like right. i think to go back to george carlin's rape joke routine yeah. just about what's the punchline the punchline is not ha ha rape victim you know right. that's that's not where his joke is um uh greg proops said um he was on a, a documentary called That's Not Funny, a documentary about censorship and, and off uh, inappropriate topics uh, in comedy way back in like 2013. So the topic has not changed. And um, he, he had a quote in there. I remember it was in the trailer for it that said, uh, are rape jokes funny? Yes, if they're funny. Yeah. It's like it's the, it, the topic doesn't make it funny or not funny. The joke makes it funny or not funny. And who, and who is yeah. the target of the joke is, you know, makes makes all the difference and there should be some topics that you go you know what i am probably not skilled enough to tell a joke on this topic i'm going to avoid the topic someone else might be able to tell that funny joke not me yeah i will say okay you back to the clapping versus laughing comedy so i i did to give a little bit of my history on my comedy career i did have a, a i was the producer and director of a um, sketch comedy show at my college, my freshman into sophomore year of college. And to give a little context, and I think this this is clear in some ways, but like I was conservative at that point in time on almost every issue, I would say, except for gay rights. I was conservative. Um, and and we did, and I was the only one in the department, in the television department, um, in the club, the only conservative there. And we did a lot of stuff that I found that I would like, if it was not a joke, if it was just done, I was, I would have disagreed with, but we had writers that came up with stuff and I thought it was funny. And I remember very specifically. So, but I, what I was starting to say is I, I have the example now better of, of being a conservative laughing at liberal shit than vice versa, partly because I, I think this funnier liberals. 
Um, but back to back to that for a second. There was this ep- uh, this one sketch we did. Uh, it was it was for Prego sauce. I didn't write the sketch. It was for Prego sauce, and it was we shot it. It it was a girl had written it that she was hilarious. Um, I remember her first name, but not her last name. So, and I don't because I haven't talked to her in twenty years almost. So, Kim, I'm sorry if I, I've forgotten your name, and it's not Kim that was on the episode months ago. Uh, but she Kim was hilarious, and she had she had done this. Uh, she had written a bunch of sketches, and and we 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 had basically carte blanche to do whatever we, the fuck we wanted because nobody was watching. It was on closed. It was on closed circuit to the just the campus. So as long as students weren't complaining, it, we weren't having to deal with like FCC or anything. So we did this sketch about pre- Prego sauce. She had written it. She wanted to star in it, and we she went and br- she got a uh, a doll, a baby doll, and she pulled pulled the arms and the legs off of it. And she stuck them in the jar of sauce, sealed up the jar of sauce. It's in there. And then she like opened, and then she we shot the ad, and she's like. Prego, made from actual aborted fetuses, and pulls the like the the baby doll like limbs out, and like licks the sauce off one and goes, mmm, delicious. And we added it in a special effect of a baby going eh, into it, <laughs> and we shot it. And I was the vice president of the television club, um, and we shot it. We pretty quickly while I was editing that episode the president saw it and he 100% disagreed so we that we should air it so we had to go into the the studio with everyone in the club because there was like three or four different shows going on and everyone in the club had to vote because we were worried that it was and and there's two of us that voted yes on the it was Kim and me voted yes and he and they were like it's that fucking baby sound can we get that out i'm like if you get that out it's less funny you take, you know, like they just kept picking it apart. And I was like, if you take, if you do it, it's less funny. And they're like, how about we just, this thing doesn't air because this thing is horribly offensive. And I, and I like, at this point in time, I was pro life. And I looked at every, everyone in the club and I said, I'm the only person who's not in favor of abortion. And I think this is hilarious. I don't understand the problem. And they were, I'm like, you guys all are fine with abortion. What is the fucking problem? And like, you know, we didn't really kill a baby to make the joke. Right, right. right? <laughs> and I, and I just was like, I don't get it. And, and so to, so I, I get called out a lot now that I'm a liberal by like people like, oh, you don't laugh because it's, because you don't think it's, because, because you're, because it's not, not liberal enough for you. And I'm like, no, there's, there's lots of reasons why, like, because I can still laugh at, at Republican stuff if it's funny. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I, you, you you said offhanded earlier that I think more liberals are funnier than Republicans and conservatives, and I don't think that's it. I think what it is, conservatives are just as funny as liberals when they're not talking about politics jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conservative politics are not usually funny. Their side of the story is, hey, let's be hateful to people. Let's let people starve and die without health care. And it's yeah. hard to make that funny when that's the good side of the argument. So political from political comedy it's hard for them to be funny because their politics is not funny politics true and like exaggerating like you know um liberal politics can only be so funny because what would even exaggerate oh they really really care about people haha like yeah yeah yeah, they do 
So but I think yeah. Tim Allen was really funny when he shut up and did stuff about man stuff and made funny noises. He's yeah. not funny when he talks about politics because he has to usually straw man it like crazy to try to find a way to make a joke about it. It's never correct. That is true. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I will say I'm going to throw my sister under the bus for a second. She's not, I don't think, I don't know where my sister's political affiliation lies, but, uh, you know, that Ashton Kutcher show, the, the ranch or something like that ranch. I happily do not. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's called the ranch. And it's it's him, the mustache guy that talks like this and is a cowboy. Sam, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. There we go. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a great impersonation, but a mustache got me. Yeah. So it's Sam Elliott, uh, the other guy from that '70s show, and Ashton Kutcher, um, the Danny Masterson, and it was this sitcom on Netflix, and and it was still doing the. Uh, um, a live audience and like with the 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 set, the canned laughter, and I watched like the f- first so live audience and they sweeten the laughter. With yeah, the canned yeah. Laughter. I watched the first fifteen minutes of this episode of the first episode and I was just like, eh. And I honestly crap. I I I just assumed because I I assumed it was I don't like canned laughter anymore i don't i don't like the live studio audience experience for the most part i can go back and watch old stuff i don't want new stuff that's like that and so i just assumed that and at one point my sister came we were on vacation or something with them and they were like have you watched the ranch it's the best show on tv and i was like "Eh, i don't like it and she like went on this like little tirade about me being "Eh, it's because it's not liberal enough for you i was like first of all it's ashton kutcher is he not liberal and then, like, He's secondly, like, more. how is it? He was. Yeah, now, I'm saying he was yeah. married to me. That's pretty liberal. Yeah. Bastion of liberals. Politics. Yeah. But, uh, but I was like, I, I'm like, I thought, I don't know. I would never have assumed. I didn't get far enough in it to, into it to right. assume that I there didn't was get a, to a poli- political joke, <laughs> political bend to this show. And, and like, I don't know, Danny Masterson, all, all I know about his personal life is the rape allegations. Like, I don't know anything else i know he's a scientologist and there's rape allegations but i don't know if he's liberal or conservative or anything else sam elliott i i know that he looks like a liberal but that or looks like a conservative conservative, but i but i like i've seen him in a bunch of shit that i thought like oh this guy like i he's an actor he's He's married to the woman writer yeah he's married to the woman from the graduate like i don't know like he could be super liberal and just look like that. I have no idea. And the idea that it was thrown at me like that. So that's why I get a lot of that from people is like people saying like, Oh, you don't like it because you're liberal. And it's like, no, if it's funny, I'll enjoy it. Um, and I can also say like, Oh, like Chappelle did some Chappelle's got some stuff in there that I didn't like about trans people. And I still thought it was an overall pretty good special. I thought he did. I thought he's, done a good job with some stuff i think he's he's thoughtful about what he's doing like there is he's whether or not you agree with the thoughts there's stuff in there about it it's it's he's trying to come at it from a different angle and then you look at the ricky gervais thing and it's literally like a woman with a penis what are you stupid like that's all it is and it's like yeah Yeah, i think uh, he's trying to he like 
that's probably one thing I don't think he's a great stand-up because his stand-up is an honest stand-up. He's like, oh, this is a topic that's in the news. I'm going to be shocking with it and write some jokes that are about this shocking topic. And it's not something he has any real feelings on. It's not something that really he has any expertise on. There's nothing that makes him a source of social political commentary to make a joke about. Right. And yeah. that's why his jokes fall flat on it because he's not good at it because that's not what it is. When he talks about celebrities, he could be really funny because he lives in that world. He actually has opinions on that. That's closer to his real life. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting the, the comedian's name. J- oh, James Acaster. Do you know, know him? Uh, yes, my son uh, makes me sure I know every British comedian because he watches every panel show and every... Uh, J- James uh, Acaster is that. fucking brilliant and he's like my he, age... What I love about James Adcaster is he comes across like a total moron. Mm-hmm. And then when you listen to what he's saying, you're like, oh, no, he's brilliant. <laughs> like He yeah. just speaks like a moron, and then he's yeah. actually like super insightful. Yeah, his last special, he has – and he also has that um, – I don't know. I don't know that it's a speech. If, uh, I think it's the accent specific. The way that he speaks it, is interesting. Yeah. It sounds almost like uh, he could be on DuckTales. There's something about it's not quite Donald Ducky, but it's something there. But it's I think it's specific to his region of of England. But yeah, he has a bit on his last special, which I think came out before Ricky Gervais's last special. But Ricky Gervais has now hit out at hit out or commented on on trans people so much that um, James Acaster came out and he goes, he has this great bit where he says, he says. uh I'm I'm an edgy comedian now. Uh I have to if you don't if my joke offends you, well too too bad snowflakes. Uh cuz I'm an edgy comedian now and he just repeats it a bunch of times cuz he's tweeting, he's pretending to be tweeting that back at people who've like uh, protested his thing and he says it a bunch of times and he goes and uh he goes uh, uh some some comedians feel like they need to come out and do 4 minutes uh, taking down trans people because trans people have had so much, uh, have had have had so many so much, so it's they've had it easy for too long or whatever, and and he, he does this whole thing and and he goes, and he goes, but I don't want to mention, I don't want to mention who it was because I don't really want to get into that. All I know is that like all of a sudden it's, it all of a sudden uh, trans people have have had too much privilege and Ricky Gervais hasn't had quite enough. <laughs> and he like completely just throws Ricky Gervais uh-huh. under the bus. And I, I loved, I, cause I do like Ricky Gervais. I, and I follow him still, but I think I, I just am. It's hard to, to connect those things. But I think James A. Caster did a great job of like, just like completely taking that yeah, down. Ev- eviscerated. Well played James. So in improv, it's really common to hear, People say, like, you know, saying, I don't think Ricky Gervais is such a good stand-up comedian. I don't think that's where his skills lie. I think he tries too hard. And it makes me think in improv, it's really common to hear. And if you take an improv class, an instructor will say, don't, don't, don't try to be funny. You're ruined if you try to be funny. Yeah. And that is an accurate statement as far as it goes. My problem is I always, I would take classes and they would say, stop trying to be funny. And I'd be like, I'm not. I am funny. When anything happens anywhere around me, everything that goes through my head is comedy responses to what's going on. I have to try not to be funny, and that's when I sound artificial. Like at work, I'm trying not to be funny, and I'm not being my authentic self. In real life, it's always a joke. And so when I taught improv, directed improv, I was always going with Yoda. Don't try anything. 
be the thing you are. Like yeah. play into your strengths. If you're great at characters, be a character person. If you're great at narrative, be narrative. If you're great at, at being witty and funny with every joke, be witty and funny. Be your natural self and it'll be the best. The, the, the caveat would be don't ruin the scene because of it. Like if you're gonna do a punchline that's gonna stop the scene two minutes in when it's a five minute scene, well, hold back on doing that. Don't kill the scene for your one laugh. Yeah. But if you're a funny person, be a funny person. So it's always been a, a deep part of my philosophy of comedy teaching has been be who you are and what you are. Like in workshops, do whatever you want. Work on your strengths, work on whatever you want. Someone's right. paying to see you. Do what you do best. Make it great. Like if yeah. you came to my improv shows, you would rarely see me sing because I do not sing particularly well. I'm really funny with lyrics. I can make up amazing funny lyrics. But there were... Um, three people in my troupe who do musical theater all the time. Why would I not focus on their singing when when you're paying to see the show? Like yeah. if I'm in a, a situation where I'm put in a spot and I have to sing, yeah, I'm going to be funny as hell, but no one's going to walk out. My dad used to complain, you know, you were off key there. And I was like, yeah, dad, I'm your son. You're a musician. I don't know what off key means. I know you say it all the time. It's some code word you use, but I don't know what it means. All yeah. I know is people laughed at me. Just like you're not funny when you sing, I'm not trying to be singy when I'm funny. It just yeah. happens to go. Um, I will say the the what you just said about the key, the being off key and you not knowing what that means. Um, I have never purchased or really received marijuana in marijuana form in baggies. Uh, and people think it's a natural form. It grows in baggies. As, as I mean, as opposed to like edibles, uh, and and potheads will talk to me, and uh, potheads will talk to you in general, like you know all the shit that they know. So they'll be like, "Well, do you want a nickel bag or a dime bag, or do you, or did they did they get caught with this, or did they get caught with that?" And I'm like, "I have no fucking clue." And they're like, "Well, was it an ounce, or was it a was it a like eighth, or was it a?" And I'm like. None of these things are even like adding up. I don't do metric. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, I have no idea what this, you know, answer is. I actually got almost got, I had to, I got patted down one time because when I was like 18 or so, I got pulled over for a padiddle. Do you know what padiddle is or is that a regional thing? Um, I would think that's some sort of pedophilic thing that someone from Massachusetts does. Now, you padiddle like, kids? When you have one headlight out, it's called a padiddle, and you punch your friend. Oh. Like, padiddle. Okay, I always thought it was spot the one-eyed dog has possessed your car. Oh, okay. No. That's that's just something came up with me and a friend one night. That's, oh, no, sorry. we call it padiddle in Massachusetts. And I so. would say if she's listening, but she passed away from breast cancer, so she's not listening. But if she were, oh, she'd be laughing. Yeah. So we got... we. <laughs> bring sorry. you down there <laughs> nothing funnier than jennifer the, dying of breast cancer fucking up my rhythm here so we got we got uh i got pulled over i was driving my friend's car because he was tired and we were like coming back from like literally like play rehearsal in high school so like the nerdiest shit possible like and we're coming back there's three of us and um we get pulled over because we had a light a headlight out the cop comes up and it, we're tired it's like I don't know. It's not even that late. It's like eight o'clock, but we we're tired from, we had just done like two hours or three hours of rehearsal. And not to mention, we've probably been up since like 5 a.m. because that's what high school was like for us. And we're tired and the cop pulls us over and he, and he comes over to the window and he's like, uh, you, whose car, is, I give him the license and registration and it's my license and my friend's registration. He goes, whose, whose car is this? I'm like, it's his. 
why isn't he driving? And I was like, and he's tired. And he's like, you boys had any, any, uh, pot tonight. And I was like, no, sir. And I had literally had never tried pot. Like, uh, and he was like, not, not even a nickel bag. And I was like, I don't know what a nickel bag is. And I literally said that to him. And he <laughs> pulled us out of the car, like not pulled physically, but he got, a, got got us all out. I was the only one of us that was 18. So the two minors, he did not do this to. Um, but he patted me, like did a full pat down um, on me. And did he make you cough? But no, but he, he pat, did a pat down. And like, I just was like, because I didn't know what a fucking nickel bag was. I genuinely didn't. To this, so my dad explained to me in the last couple of years, he had, because I told my dad that story, and he was like, oh, a nickel bag is is five fingers of weed. And I was like, he's like, if you hold a Ziploc bag, it's five fingers worth of weed. One, two, three, four, five. It's a nickel. Like That, that, that doesn't seem right. I don't know what a nickel <laughs> bag is, but that doesn't seem right. Because a like, dime bag would be really big. <laughs> and I was like, dad, I was like, and he says, and you can get one for five bucks, and that's a nickel bag, and or something like that. And I was like, I think weed has changed, and because my dad, if my dad had ever bought weed, which uh, by based on that story, I'm going to assume maybe he has. I don't know. That would have been forty plus years ago, and I just got to be like, could you get this much weed for five dollars? And I, know I like weed... the five dollar part. I don't like the five finger part. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I just remember being like, "That seems like a shit, a shitload of weed." And I know that weed was not a big. Weed was not what it is now. Like, whereas weed's super potent. And if, if you know, someone of your age who did smoke as a kid but hasn't smoked in a long time, if they were to start smoking, they're always going to be like, "Hey, just so you know, this isn't the same shit." But like five fingers worth of weed. I mean, five big fat fingers are different. So maybe it's like five little girl fingers, but. Jesus Christ, that's a lot of weed. That's funny. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, so based on, you said, don't try to be funny. Uh, and that reminded me of the thing. So we we recorded a beginning of this. So we recorded two episodes tonight. We recorded the first 10 minutes. And then our guest from last week's episode was ready to go. And we we're like, oh, we'll, we'll go back to this episode after. And... So we've re- we've recorded this episode twice, or the the beginning three minutes twice, but I didn't in the second version didn't remember to mention it. But that was um, every episode since Matthew has been on, I have been doing this thing where I'm tr- concentrating on making sure our sound levels are as good as possible, trying to think of like, okay, here's the topic beats that we need to hit, and and sometimes I have a uh, I have like a word doc or whatever, and Matthew being the guy that makes all these jokes, like he just said, uh, he, he makes the jokes and I'm like, yeah, nice. And like, I'm realizing that I'm so slow and I'm the one in, in, in normal life when I'm not with Matthew with almost everybody else, I'm the one doing that to everybody else. And, and I was like, and I've been telling people at work, like it might be cathartic, like, cause, cause I can be so overwhelming, like to hear me get overwhelmed, like, or get like, there's not, <laughs> not know what to say because like the funny part of my brain that, that like come up with a funny, witty response part of my brain has kind of like taken a backseat on this podcast a lot because, because I'm concentrating on three or four different things. And I just think it's, it is interesting for those people who I am constantly doing that to where, you know, they'll say something 
like, uh, oh, we're going to have pork for dinner. I'm going to pork your mom for dinner. You know, that's so, so you don't make jokes idea. around them either. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah, and that was going to be my response was to tell you about the how the don't try to be funny. I can't help but yeah. make a joke. It's what I do. I'll be I'll be inauthentic when I'm not making a joke. Catch me at a funeral. I kill. I kill at funerals. Oh my god! And what, which makes another I'm, funeral happen right afterwards because I killed it. And so it's a, it's just like it's a vicious cycle of funerals. Yeah. If I'm intoxicated in any way, my filter goes off too. And so like I've been intoxicated at work, drunk at work, probably, um, and. Um, like I, we were at uh, like a putting green like a year and a half ago, and w- one of my coworkers just kept being like, uh, "Put the ball in the hole, get the," and I just like, you, and I just kept every single time she'd speak, I would say something, and I'm like, "You got to stop setting me up. You're just like making it hard." I'm like, "I'm a little too drunk. I can't shut it off right now. <laughs> like I can't, I can't be appropriate." And that's why I don't get drunk around coworkers. Like we're places where everyone else is getting smashed, and I'm like, oh, yeah. "Nope." Because I know what I'll say, and you have no freaking idea what goes on in this head. I'm not letting it out. <laughs> I, um, you may think you do. Oh, we're all drunk. We're all saying funny things. Yeah, yeah. You have no idea. I, I'm actually quite not. It's funny because I'm like, I'm a pretty sober person. I don't drink very often. Um, I would say that in the last two years since I started my current job, 75% of my alcohol consumption has been at work functions um cuz we have a team that likes to drink and it, and you know it, it's a fun way of bonding and so they all have a different impression of me than like I would think anybody else would but we th- I was at a trip I was in, on a trip to Houston a year and a half ago with work and I got a little drunk and and I was like dropping it low and picking it up slow and i had like my drink in my hand you know what that means when i say that drop it low and pick it up slow um you're playing with your testicles no my butt just like like doing like a very feminine uh like almost strippery move like where i put my butt almost down to my heels like in a squat and then slowly bring it back up like a stripper and I was doing that, and they all think it's hilarious. And they and, and I will hear it all the time, like, anytime there's going to be alcohol, like, oh, Mike's going to drop it low and pick it up slow. And it's, uh, so they all think that of me. And that and that's interesting when I'm not a very drunk person. I will also say that. Yeah. I probably do drink more with my coworkers than I do in most of the situations because I'm not a big drinker either. But I go to France and every meal, it's wine comes out, champagne generally before the meal and then wine with the meal. And you have two or three glasses of wine with the meal. But I'm a really big guy and I'm eating with a meal and I know not to drink socially afterwards. So I'm like, I'm yeah. done with that. I'm like, let's go out. You guys have fun going out. I've had enough where um, my, where my filter starts going, hey, should I say this? And once I'm saying that to myself, I know that I need to stop drinking because I'm yeah. going to say something I should. And the problem is I can go much further, much harder than anyone else in the room can. They don't, and they don't know that. They're always like, oh, we know how you know, risque you are. No, no, you don't. You know what I'm willing to say in front of you. You don't know what goes on in this head. Yeah, that's true. That's how I, it, it's fun when I, being around you is fun because I am usually the funny person in the room and it's nice to not be. Uh, I will say also, so I just had a guy's weekend this past weekend with uh, two of my 
best friends from high school. And, you know, I, I'm not a, I don't consider myself a particularly masculine man or, or, or stereotypically me or you, you. Yeah. No, it's good. Cause I'm not, um, my friend Pat that was on, he, he is, uh, that he, he was on the episode about masculinity and that, and him and I, and he was one of the two friends that I was with the, the three of us will talk. And, and I just realized like, Oh, I'm not that, I'm not that like, you know, cause they're, they are very comfortable with homosexuality for straight guys. And like, it's just so nice being like, Oh, I'm not that the oddity right now. But the, the other thing I was going to say is that like, whereas I'm not the funny guy with you, I'm not the filthiest person with the two of them or my friend, Paul, who wasn't there, but he's been on the show. And it's nice because I think everyone else in my life thinks I'm the craziest, wildest, most intense. And then I get with my friends and I'm like, Oh no, I, I sometimes I'm the tame one. Like not all the time, but sometimes I'm the tame one with, with my friend, Paul, almost always I'm the tame one. But when I was in, um, comedy group called comedy sports um which is a nationwide franchise and there's no longer a north carolina franchise for it but back when there was i was with it and um before i struck out for my own group and uh what we used to say jokingly as a recruiting thing was if you're the weird one around your friends you'll fit in around us nice there's like as every one of us was the funniest person in our social circle but yeah. together we were all about the same i mean i was still the funniest the the complaint i got from the management is i shouldn't make jokes during rehearsal like in you know from the audience and i'm like everyone does you know yeah but when you do it everyone stops to laugh yeah. like yeah i'm being singled out but that's actually a good reason to get singled out <laughs> in a room yeah. full of comedians <laughs> yeah it's it's fun being in that situation. It is funny though talking to when when you're around people that you're being funny in front of and they're n- not used to funny people. Like they'll be like, "Oh, you should be a comedian." And I'm like, "Yeah, no, I'm the funniest person in this room." Right. <laughs> I'm not oh, people funny. ask me why I'm not a professional comedian, you know, especially when I performed improv for so so many years. And I'd say, "Well, if I was as funny at 18 as I was at 30, I could have been a professional comedian, but when I was funny as I was and talented and, you know, knew the acting and learned the business and blah, blah, blah. I had a kid. I had a wife. I didn't have a place for a comedy career then for me. Other people can do that. I, I, unfortunately I I had a good enough day job that I couldn't quit it for comedy. Right. Yeah. It's funny. I also think about, I went on a business trip to Orlando uh, two years in a row, 2019, 2020. Um, and I have a buddy who was in my comedy group in Raleigh who retired to Orlando. And both times I went on business, one of the first nights I was there, we got together at an Irish pub um, for dinner, some live music. And for him to unload every filthy, disgusting joke he thought of in the last year, because he taught music at preschools and he worked part-time at Disney, and then his wife didn't want to hear his crap anymore. So he couldn't tell all these horrible jokes that he'd hear or think of. So he would just be unloading them on me because I'm the only one he could tell them to without thinking worse of him for it, no matter how horrible they were. Because when you get comedians together, there's no limit to how horrible and debased and terrible they can be together in the green room. Because we all know we don't mean it. We all know we're not creating a culture of yeah. this is acceptable in the real world because we get it. And even if we know it's stuff that I wouldn't say on stage because I don't want some yeehaw in the audience to think I mean it, yeah. I'll say it backstage with my buddies. Oh, that and that that's something that I did with my friends this weekend was like there was a bunch of jokes that I just couldn't make in front of other people, not because they would think I was bad, but because they would think it was permission to be bad. So like 
we were talking about uh i went to to massachusetts back on father's day weekend and it was like we landed at like 12 to between 12 and one o'clock in the morning but logan we hadn't eaten and we needed some food and the only place in boston that was open was this little burger place next to fenway stadium and the burger place i go we order online or we and and I'm just reiterating my order to the person as we get to the front, as we get to the front. And Logan's in the back seat of a car, and Sarah's there. But it, so I'm running into the place, and I and I'm reiterating reiterating the order. And I said something about uh, apple, an apple juice juice box, and this fucking douchebag is like, "You getting a juice box, bro? You getting a juice box?" And he's just like making fun of me. And we're talking, my friends and I, so that was back in June. My friends and I this weekend were talking about how much we hate that kind of Massachusetts person, specifically like a mass. Was that Ben Affleck working the window? Yeah, no. Um, it would have been so much nicer if it was. And so we, so we're talking about that guy. And I, and I was like, it's like, it's weird how they can just make anything seem kind of homophobic. <laughs> and so we just, from the rest of the time, we're like, you sucking on my juice box, bro. And we were, cause like clearly like the idea, like it was like, are you gay? You getting a juice box. And I was like, Oh, I couldn't make this joke in front of almost anybody else because they won't get it. My friends get that. Like that, that type of person is like, Oh, what are you a queer? Like, and we just kept doing that. Like, the fact that he's the butt of the joke. You're not yeah. agreeing with the homophobia or the, even the toxic right. masculinity. You're making fun of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so a quick, um, maybe before we wrap up, a quick example of a favorite um, story of mine. My buddy and I were once asked to do a presentation for a bunch of old Jews uh, that we were doing at a, a Jewish temple in Raleigh was having senior university weekend where they just invite speakers on different topics to come in. And we were asked to do it a speech on comedy or a presentation on comedy and we did a thing called improv comedy behind the curtain and our premise was we had like slides like a business presentation and for each slide was about a different thing about comedy a different different element of what we do how we build character how we um of how we stay in the moment just various things about uh give and take and for each one we then played an improv game the two of us to show either a demonstrator or show this is a game we play that focuses on that skill to help us build that skill and at the time we were basically doing a comedy show for the audience while ed educating them and my opening slide was on the humor code and about um that um benign violation topic and i explained it to them no joke in that one just explaining it to them and getting it across to them the idea then we were doing our show a half an hour into the 45 minute show we're playing a game that you may have seen on whose lines in any way called world's worst where they give you a situation and you take turns stepping up and giving the world's worst example of it. And I was pointing out for us, for our group, we use that as a character game where you aren't just saying the situation, you are being the worst, the character saying the thing. And that was our skill build and why we did it differently than some other groups. Um, and my improv group was unique in that almost everyone in it, except me, was a community theater person learning comedy as opposed to someone who just thought they were funny and wanting to learn comedy. Um, my group was all theater people and they tended to do character and narrative without a second thought so um so we did this deeper thing so it was the world's worst preschool teacher and i walked out and was like hey pretty cute for a five-year-old 
And everybody laughed because that would be the world's worst preschool teacher. And then after the, 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 the joke, I said to this audience of senior citizens, hey, you guys realize I made a pedophilia joke there, right? I said, five-year-olds are cute. And they all got real quiet. I'm like, and you all laughed. And they all got even quieter. I said, that's benign violation. Because you guys, it was benign when I said that horrible violation. Because for the last half hour, you guys have been getting to know me. And we have a rapport. And you know that wasn't me. That was the character. And I wasn't actually saying that's a good thing. And then they all got a little looser. I'm like, yeah, they're, 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 they're the light in their eye. They're getting benign violation, what I meant by benign and not benign. And then I said, but imagine if... Mikey and I had come out here, and the very first thing we did was that joke. Mm-hmm. And they all went, oh! like, exactly. That's where it would have been only violation and nothing benign about it. And that's why comedians get in trouble today when somebody takes out a phone and records 20 seconds of their comedy routine and publishes it online out of context, and they seem like a horrible monster because there's no rapport with the audience that lets you know that that's not them, that's the joke. I'm sending you a real quick screenshot, and I would like you to read it in Looper's voice. <laughs> it's like, am I um, get in trouble for this? No, no, it's so I watched the movie Elvis on the way down to to and and anybody who's listening to this episode who has watched the movie Elvis, Elvis sounds uh, not Elvis, sorry, Colonel Colonel Tom Parker sounds exactly like to me sounded very much like Matthew's puppet um, character that he does. Uh, of blooper and so i just sent him one of the lines from the movie and and i just would like him to read it because i just it's been cracking me up all weekend all right go ahead okay hi michael it's me blooper nice to meet you okay i'm gonna weed this wine now (coughs) i'm not warmed up i haven't not vocally warmed up but i'm gonna read it poor mrs kennedy a tragedy tragedy but it has nothing to do with us Perfect. Okay, so maybe the inflection of the of the voice isn't the same, but the accent that you do for Blooper is exactly what Tom Hanks does for Colonel Tom Parker. What do you I mean accent? Know, I don't know what you're talking about. The voice. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. What? The the inflection. I the don't way. understand. All right. The the eyes staring at me is upsetting me when he's like looking hurt. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go away now because I don't understand you. Where's Wogan? I like Wogan. He's the nice one. Yeah, okay. he he's he's not the nice one to me. <laughs> he was talking some shit last night because he hadn't played. Uh, we got Miles Morales for P- PS5, and he didn't play all weekend while I was gone because he couldn't get past some stuff. I get past it for him. I start cooking dinner, and he's like, "Dad, I'm so much further in this game than you are." I'm like, "Because of me." And, he, and I was like, <laughs> it's like you're shit talking, and he's like, "Yeah, because you suck." And I'm like. What? And he's like, you said I was shit talking, so I wanted to shit talk. I'm like, no, you were shit talking. <laughs> but all right. Um, I I don't have anything to plug this week. I just want to ask everybody, please subscribe, download every back episode because I feel like you're gonna like them and it helps us. And uh Matthew, you got anything that you want to plug? I know I mean, since we had a guest, I guess we'll plug the guest channel. Um Blooper has a channel on YouTube. Um, so if you search for blooper puppet, B-L-O-O-P-E-R-P-U-P-P-E-T, um, you will probably find yet other stuff will come up too because bloopers with puppets in it will, will come up. But he's a green puppet with blue hair. Um, actually, if you do like blooper puppet and then a, a movie title like Godfather or Superman or He-Man, um, 
the Masters of the Universe. One, he he does a lot of movie clips himself. His oh. interpretation of movies is like his uh his sizzle reel kind of thing. So that would probably help bring up one of his videos. Okay, good. I'm glad that you just said that and gave me another thing to run run topic wise or to talk about real quick. Uh, so one of my sketches that I really loved doing in on my on my sketch show in college was. It was similar to what SNL does with like auditions, celebrity auditions for other movies. It's basically the exact same concept. And I don't remember, but I don't remember having seen that on SNL first. So the, the, the five or six impressions that me and this other guy on the show could do, um, we would do them and we would be like, okay, what are we going to do? What character? And so he basically did Marlon Brando and that was it. And I did a bunch of others like Jack Nicholson, Sean Connery, like the easy ones um but his marlon brando like i remember him doing the incredible hulk and it was and he actually ripped his shirt and he was just like he wouldn't like me when i'm angry and then he just ripped his shirt and then we did a bunch like five or six of these different ones of marlon brando being somebody and the last one like the one that capped off the the episode was uh I'm a big scary shark. <laughs> and, it, and his impression was a little bit better than mine is, but I didn't do Brando. I did the other characters. But when you just said blooper doing the Godfather, I just thought of that. And... Yeah. Right. Yeah. He doesn't, he does not do Brando in the Godfather. He does um, James Caan actually. Oh, he, a new, nice Ivy league suit. That, that speech. Exactly. Exactly. I think I've that's seen it. I, that one. Yeah. I think I've seen that him doing that. Cause that's, yeah. Get you get his brains all over your nice Ivy League suit. Yeah, kapow, yeah. And um and he did Godfather two. Oh, I don't know if I remember which thing I did. He did do Brando though. He did um Okay. Brando in um Superman. Oh did, nice. Uh, I can see Blooper doing the uh doing the speech, the Michael speech to Fredo, the You're not my brother. I don't want to know you. I when you come to see our mother I want to know two days in advance so I cannot be there. Like blooper doing that speech would be awesome. It's funny because I I had done, I spent a a summer in 2020, I think July, maybe like every day I did another thing. And then like a year later, one of my coworkers requested um, Godfather two specifically. So I had to go figure one out. (laughs) So that one was added in um, later. Um, I I don't know. All right. Well, yeah, thank you. Go back and watch it and see what it was. Yeah. Thank All you, right. everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you next week. And we don't know what the topic is going to be yet because we're recording this a week ago. So we are not that far ahead yet. So we'll yeah. see you next week.